You are listening to Sex and Boba. I am your slutty host, Oliver Wong. And I am your frigid host, Teresa Lowe. <laughs> yes, you have been frigid and I've been slutty. <laughs> I am so slutty. Teresa, I've shared something with you. Oh my God. Okay, what is it? Recently, I had sex with a trans man. Ooh, how did this happen? Uh, I met this person on Grindr. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just went to his place. And then I always want to have sex with a trans man. So I did it. And what was it like? Uh, as I have stated it before, I had sex with a woman before. So I knew how vagina feels like. The vagina still feels really amazing. And then, because uh, right now, recently, I have been topping. So I feel like my topping skills has improved so I did give him, as he said, a few orgasms, like two orgasms. So, okay, you actually like the feel of vagina. Yes, but if I is a, but because he's a trans man, so I somehow feel attracted. But if it's like a woman, it's a really feminine woman with like boobs and then long hair, then I don't think I would feel attracted. Okay, so let's say this is that you would meet a masculine woman would you have sex with a masculine woman if she identifies herself as a woman then no interesting yeah and then i think uh she needs to take some testosterone so her body characteristics can be more like a man i don't know if there's the right phrase to say it mm-hmm. then i will feel more attracted like if she has some muscle stuff like that that's so interesting yes so um would you seek another trans man to have sex with i would mm-hmm. i would yeah would you seek a trans woman to have sex with hmm i don't know i don't even know like um because you went on grinder yeah. so you're going already like on a queer app yeah i go generally on a straight app and yeah. so i don't even know where i would find but on straight app you can say you are looking for man or woman right or non-binary i don't know i think so i guess i've always just been like looking for straight yeah um I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of at this point, like, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I even sometimes go on those apps and I'm like, what if I looked for women and try to match with them? And then I would look for, like, um, Asian, masculine yeah, women. You mentioned that. And then I never would go out with anybody either. So I just don't go out with anybody. So, so. maybe you are really, so, you know, we, we always say there's a spectrum. So you might just be really straight. I think I might just be really straight yeah. because I remember one time I did an interview and they were just like, so what's your sexuality? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just straight. (laughs) (laughs) You might be 100% straight or you might just have never met the right woman. Yeah, I'm at this point. I'm just like, I'm open to anybody. (laughs) I probably look like such a lesbian in this shirt right now. This is your shirt. (laughs) This shirt is designed by the designer of Shears costume, Bob Mackie. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad that I look like Cher <laughs> She's great yeah, Cher She great. has a lot of boy toys I know And she's like what 70s or something She has a 30 year old boyfriend She's like living the dream No no Not boyfriend Boy toy, boy toy. <laughs> Yeah 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 Boy toy But she's living the dream right And so I, I get to the point Where like I need to be like that So I think You know in our previous episode Where I talked about how This one woman was giving me advice About how she's just Fucking people And then like You know she's actually Having great time and they're like respectful i need to get to the point where i'm like i can start fucking people around me but i'm still not there yet but do you think you are that kind of person who want to fuck people around you 
No. Right? That's you don't, hard. Yeah. I need to don't change, change my yourself. Yeah, you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm very much like, you know, very selective where it's, you know, not too many people and trying to just pick like the right person, but I'm just still never picking the right person. So I'm just like, I'm, I feel like I've said this on this episode like every, every week, but it's like, I haven't figured out what I'm doing right yet. So I keep changing it. We have only been doing this podcast for two months. So it's still new. Maybe like after six months, you have a different insight. That's true. And maybe by six months, I will finally have gotten laid. <laughs> <laughs> With a trans woman. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's what I need. For. <laughs> Is that like your birthday present to me? Yeah. You buy me a December. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say any names, but one of my friends who works on my prone set, I always joke that I want to pay for a prone star to have sex with him <laughs> on his birthday. <laughs> and what did he say? He didn't say no. Who would say no? <laughs> but he said he feels bad that I have to pay. He's like, maybe he should just work harder in order to have sex with this prone star. Men always want to provide for themselves, right? They don't really like gifts, right? Or am I wrong about this? You, well, maybe you're asking the wrong person because I am different. I'm a gay man. But I feel like straight men does not want to be provided. That is true. They feel weird. Yeah. I feel like they feel They feel, weird. what's the word? Like emasculated? Emasculated. You're right, because like gay men wouldn't see it like that. They don't care. But yeah. like, I... Because this is an interesting thing. I tried to date a younger guy and um, his birthday was coming up. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy you a birthday present. He's like, I hate birthday <laughs> stuff. And he's like, I don't like anything to be about me. I don't want a present. And I was like, oh, so I wasn't going to get him anything big. I was actually just going to give him a book that I already owned and yeah. just wrap it. Yeah. But like he was like really freaking out about any type of thing for his birthday. So I was kind of like, oh, OK. So I don't know. Maybe you're right. Like maybe straight men sometimes get weird about gifts. Yeah, I think it's the society that have been teaching us straight men that they need to provide which I don't even know if this is the thing we need to teach our straight men I think it's internal I yeah. truly do because I think men like to provide and protect but do you think the reason why they feel like they need to provide is because they know if they don't provide they will not have sex so the reason why they want to provide is not because they really want to be a provider because they want to but because they want to have the sex Maybe a mix of both yeah. because at the same time, like as a woman, if a man doesn't provide, I don't find him as attractive. So for instance, like um, we've seen people like this where um, the rich guy will come in and he buys everyone drinks and all that stuff. That guy, everyone loves him. He gets all the attention. Yes. He becomes the alpha in the room. Yes. So all people, no matter whether or not they think it's psychologically correct or yeah. intellectually correct, you will go to that provider. Yeah. So the provider always wins. Yes, I agree. Even just look at the jungles, there is still a hierarchy, you mm -hmm. know, look at the monkeys, chimpanzees, there is always an alpha male. Yes. And so I think that you don't want to be that un the guy who can't provide while the provider is doing all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, but I feel like some people like Andrew Tate, they take the entire alpha male complex too far. <laughs> I also think he's just like, they're a little psycho, right? Because they hate women. So they come up with all these things that like, whatever. But I just think that like, they're not true alphas. A true alpha doesn't have to tell you he's alpha. Yeah. He just comes in. Yeah. I mean, we have an example of like, we did a show yeah. and this guy like bought everyone drinks and he's stuff. He's so nice. And then like 20 people surrounded him. He, was, he became the star of yes. the room. And that happens. And I remember I did another show, same thing. A different guy bought everyone drinks and everyone's like we love you yeah. and because he became the provider yeah yeah, yeah it yeah. happens yeah that is so interesting yeah, yeah i didn't even really investigate that because we were on the same show yesterday and then this guy he was buying drinks yeah yeah and he became the star he became a star yeah. and he 
I, immediately I know. Oh, he's so approachable. He's so nice. Yes. He is not aloof. Yeah, and you know that he's a winner because he can provide. And he's also funny, which is a plus. Yes, charismatic and. But yeah, it goes. Should、back. we just have a threesome with him? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just kind of like um. But you are a gay man. I'm a woman. We don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be the prov. I don't want to be buying everybody drinks.、Yeah. And so, that's not what I want to yeah, do. Yeah. But for men, I think they genuinely love it, and people love to flock to the man who provides. And I think with women, I'm trying to think of like, what do people like from women? People like women who are caring. People like women who are just like. I think caring is like a big thing. They want some sort of like nurture、yeah. personality from a woman, and I think that's why, in a way, a lot of people like me is because like I'm very sweet, yes, and like、um, I listen to people, and that's what they want from me. I don't think they want me to give them money and stuff. You know, well, they more well, they want more than just caring from you. We all know. We all know they want to see my breasts. <laughs> nah, just that they want and- you to breastfeed them. <laughs> That's their fantasy, being breastfed by <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> But if you have a comedy special, why would you name it "Breastfed" <laughs> by Double D? <laughs> Double D from Kansas. <laughs> Double D. <laughs> oh my god! Double、okay. D from Kansas. If you had one, I think it would be called "Cum Dumpster." <laughs> But it goes back to the what do people want from you? So it's like, for instance, even with you, people want jobs. Yes. So you are a provider, whether or not you like that. So I'm going to ask you this. Yes. Do you like now that you have become kind of a provider to so many people, and you've become that? I like that. I'm not going to lie. That feels like I am in control of things. That means I can provide have more resources, and、uh, I appreciate people coming to me for jobs. I but I think you need to be tactful about that because I think it's natural to ask for a job. It's normal. You should do that. You should be proactive. When I was younger, I also do that too. You know, asking for jobs. But there should be like a boundary, and then you need to know when is the right moment to ask for a job. It all depends on the context. Like let's say if I just meet you. At the bar after a comedy show, and you know I'm a porn star, and then we just shake our hands, and then you immediately say, "Hey, if you are looking for a writer, a porn writer, I'm interested." I'll be like, "Well, then I feel like you are actually not trying to have a chat with me. This is not genuine conversation. You are treating this as a network event, but it's not. It's a comedy show, and we are hanging out.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we are at a convention and exchanging business cards." Yes. Yeah, you know the context is important. Yeah, and also at a certain point too, even if you are a provider type of person, you can't provide for the whole world. Yes, it's just like life. You just can't do it. You only can provide for a small amount of people. They didn't enter the circle fast enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like sorry, you should have got on the train a little earlier. You know,、uh, and then they have to basically they have to find their own provider. It's almost like one provider. Let's say you can provide for a hundred people, but after a hundred and one, sorry, you can't get in here. Yeah, they, it's sad. Limited opportunities. Yeah, and. That's That's why other men or whoever else wants to be the provider, they have to exist too. So you really don't feel threatened by another provider. It's like, but you have to go over there. Yeah. Do you know provider is also a euphemism for escort? That people. I always thought it was um, care. No, maybe it is provider. Yeah. Yeah. A dual、right. service provider. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because I remember someone said it was like it almost sounded like caregiver or something, but maybe it is provider. I think yeah, you're right. It is yeah, provider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Speaking of provider, I want to share some provider experience I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear it. 
Let's hear it. Uh, in the past episode, a few episodes, I forgot which one. I talk about like me uh, seeing sex workers because mm-hmm. I wanna have sex with a woman and see how it feels like. Mm-hmm. But I didn't give you too much details. But I feel like we had to because we chat about it off podcast. <laughs> but I wanna talk about it on podcast. Ooh, so let's least- hear it. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, at least from my experience, the provider that I went to see, so I booked it through an agency. Okay, I sound like a scumbag. <laughs> no, you don't. No, because this is the thing. Is like this is real. Everybody secretly, not everybody, a lot of people secretly do this. You're just the only person willing to say it. You yeah. don't sound like a scumbag. Yeah. So uh, it was at a really high end upscale apartment, and then uh, I went in, and then because it's when. It's to an agency, but for some reason, I don't see the booker. I don't see the agent. I just knock on the apartment door. And then when the door opens, it is the provider. So it's basically, I feel like that is the provider's apartment, actually. Because mm-hmm. it's this decor, it's dressed up, it has lights, neon lights, looks really beautiful, kind of dark. And then uh, she has like a procedure. Like she would, uh, I can feel it's a procedure because she knows like every step. So like she would take me to the bathroom, which by the way, there's like a stack of towels. So, you know, it's a business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she helped me shower and then she put me on the bed and then she want me to sit on the edge of the bed facing the mirror. It's very specific. And then she's just to start here going down on me and then, Riding me, blah blah blah. Like this is like procedure, which I am really surprised. It's almost like um when you go to like a massage parlor or something. Like they have a procedure. It's yeah. just this is the same thing, except now they're just touching your genitals. Exactly. You know? it, it it it's like entertainment service, you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of people just don't realize is that like people need these services. Yeah. You know, it's like they exist for a reason, yeah. and a lot of people might actually be doing it, and they just don't talk about it. Exactly, and I. Yeah. Uh, which means I fully support legalizing the sex industry, the escorting, everything. I 100% also think it needs to be legal. And I don't know why it's not. But I mean, I've heard from other people that, at least in California, they just don't prosecute it because they just don't care. Yeah. And I, maybe my own experience is like, um, I've just been doing a lot of small claims lawsuits in the past two years. And I just really realized like... Um, they don't care. The law doesn't care. Like truly you almost have to take your own justice and stuff like that. But I guess that's good and bad because like, you know, services that should not be prosecuted really are not getting. So that's good. Like, yeah. you know, no one's really going after prostitutes, yeah. which is great. Um, but then other things that you might want the law to do, they won't do either. Like yeah. if someone stole from you, they don't care either. So you're just like, okay, this is such a, it's a lawless world. And I think all those police officers and judges, they also hire a provider. So I think everybody does yeah. because really like, I think about this too is like I am a woman and a lot of people want to like bone me and I'm like get away from me you Mm -hmm. know and but I think about that is like I would like to have somebody to like cuddle with and all that stuff but I'm like ew they're all gross you know but I can see like why it's like you want sometimes you want somebody and instead of like going out and trying to like date and build a relationship what if you could just call someone and they come over you can pay for a cuddling service there is a thing called cuddling service oh I know people who even offer that service but I'm like <gasps> don't come over I know you <laughs> know people and i'm just like ew i don't want it from you it's awkward because you know him i know all these people where it's like i don't want to but do you trust a man who says they just want to cuddle this dude i actually do like like, i think he's nice and stuff but it's just more like 
uh, at a certain point, I don't know. I, I really debate this because I don't want to just have sex with someone and never see them again. But I also don't want a friends with benefits. Sometimes I wonder, yeah. should I just find a friends with benefits yeah. that I have like no feeling for yeah. you know, no hope for the future yeah. with but even then i'm like well then i'm wasting a lot of time with them but if the sex is good then it's like maybe i should do it. i don't know I, i'm very torn if the sex is good it would not be a waste of time it's still uh, fun yeah yeah think about this in your lifetime you can only have so many orgasms you should have as much as you can so do you think that i should like hit up some exes but they are your exes you will have feelings yeah that's the problem because i don't want to start a new friends with benefits because i like don't have many friends So I'm like, where am I going to get this friends with benefits? Because I have no friends. It's like a little different when you're like in college where like you can hook up with anybody. There's so many people around you. They're all single. They're all young. Life doesn't matter, right? Yeah. At this age, I'm a little bit like, well, now we're all trying to get something real or they're not trying to get something real, but we don't have time to waste either. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really just like, you know, frigid, like we said earlier. <laughs> 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 you should have like a website and then you have like a time slot with a calendar so be, people can book you you know but then that be, you're just you always give me advice where I just become a commodity in your <laughs> like you're really pushing me into it and it's so funny because every time I hang out with you I'm always like what if I did that what if I did an OnlyFans what if I did that? but then I'm like no I don't want to do any of this stuff but it's so funny because you put it in my mind and then I'm like maybe and then I never do it. Yeah, I mean, you can use a euphemism. You don't really have to say you 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 want to be a prostitute or an asshole, but just the idea of meeting as many men as you can with <laughs> your limited time, you know. <laughs> I feel like you want me to become the female version of you. <laughs> well, so take my advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> No, I think with me, I'm just like, I'm going to be really productive. So when, interesting enough, when I don't have sex, I am so productive. productive. Like I, when it comes to my career, my career is really doing well. Yeah. But like my personal life is just very like nothing's happening. I think that is like me too. Like my personal life is just attending dumps. That's it. And hanging out with you <laughs> and everything else is just work. Yeah. Oh my god, I attended two calm dumps yesterday. Oh, two days ago, two days ago. Wait, two? In, was it all in one day? Yeah, in one night. Okay, describe what happened. Oh my god, so the first calm dump was at Silver Lake, and it was at an upscale house. He is a rich guy who just has this calm down fetish. He is rich because the, the house is fabulous, and it's in Silver Lake on the hill. I walk in the door... And then there's music playing and then there's skate porn playing on the TV. And then I use the bathroom and then I go to the living room and then I see the calm dump. He is practically face down ass up facing the window. And the window is like huge windows from floor to ceiling. And then you can see downtown Los Angeles. Wow. And so the cum dump was the owner, more than likely. More than likely. Wow. And then why it's so funny is, well, because he has a t-shirt. And then the t-shirt is, he has a LGBTQ center logo. 
Los Angeles LGBTQ Center. In case you didn't know he was gay. Yeah. But I also wondered, does he work there? Oh, no. Then how can he afford that house? Because <laughs> it's non nonprofit, right? So you can. He's probably the donor. Yeah. More than likely, oh he my gets God, in the money. Oh, my God. You are so yeah, right. He's not going to work he, there. You are so, he's you're a detective. Donor. He's yeah. a donor. We got to think about this. It's like, we, you know, we got to think where the things match, you know? Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay, so that was the first one. And then um, I had sex with him for a little bit. And then the other two guys showed up. And then I, you know, I was like done with it, so I left. I didn't come because I was just like bored, so I just left. <laughs> like the reason I didn't come is also because I know I have a second come down I need to go to, so I, I have to save my load. Okay. So I I was so terrible when I was fucking the first guy. I pretend I came. Wouldn't like, he know? No, no, he, he I guess he know. can't see. Yeah, he okay. can't see. I was faking it or I guess. So like, did you just fake it like Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And he's late. And then I think he kind of was not sure if I came. So he even asked, Oh, did you come? And I said, Yes. Because can't he feel it? Like if you actually had come, he would feel inside, right? But if he doesn't know I come a lot, then maybe he would just be a little bit. Oh, I see. Okay. Will he listen to his podcast? So you faked it. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I think about like what we're talking about on the podcast, like some details where I'm like, maybe there's two, they can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Okay. So you went to the second one. Second one is in Manhattan Beach. That's a far drive. I drove like 45 minutes. Yeah. That's what a a man would do to have sex. Yes. They really want to try. Okay. So it's in a somehow nice hotel. Well, not hotel, motel. And then it was, so it has like three different buildings and it was in the back building. So I went there, the door was not locked. So I went in and then he was not expecting me to show up. So he was like a little surprised. But anyways, so uh, he is a slightly older and then uh, I think he's traveling because there's a luggage. And then I think he is pretty uh, disease, uh, disease conscious because I see there are pills in his back. So I think, oh, he must be on prep and stuff, you know? Oh, I see. Okay. So... And then he said he wanna film me fucking him. Hmm. And uh, we did. And you're okay. I guess because they don't post it, right? He d- he has uh, something he, to lose too. Yes. And then uh, he has a Twitter. He doesn't show his face. Oh, so, and you're aware of this. Yes. And okay. I think he wanna post it on Twitter and that's fine. He's just the, the, yeah. So we, we filmed it. Yeah. Did he film your face or did you not care? He, he didn't. He did not intend to film my face, but he accidentally did because the angle was not perfect. So I, my face was shown, but I told him that I, I don't really want to be in the video, even though I had post video of me having sex before on my OnlyFans page. But right now I'm not doing that anymore, so I don't want to do that. And he was like, whatever. He's like, cool. He, I told him, oh, can you crop out my face? And he said, yes. And I trust him because he does look trustworthy and he doesn't show his face on his Twitter either. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, he doesn't want to link back because you would just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you come that time? No. Why? Because, oh, here's the thing. Because <laughs> uh, most come dumps, they only want to do doggy style. I, I cannot come from doggy style. Interesting. Okay, so how do you come? I usually need to be lying down on my back. And then he just like gets on top of yeah. you? Oh. Or like mesh, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. So you can never really be with like a giant dude, right? If you if he's lying on you. 
Maybe, yeah. What's like the biggest dude you've ever been with? Oh, I don't know. Have you ever been with like a really fat guy? I've been with like overweight guys, but I don't. Never I would just, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been with like really, really short guys or really, really tall guys? Like any one extreme physically? Tall guys, yes. But Ex- never short. Ne- never short guys. Uh, why have you never been with a short guy? I guess I just have never met them. I don't mind. I would love to try. I'm so. You know, ad- adventurous. Yeah. I want to say, going off the tangent, by the way. So, they, you know, there are all these like scamming texts on apps, right? Especially like Grindr or whatever. And then one time there was just a few days ago, a stranger messaged me. I think he's a bot. And then he messaged <laughs> me. He said, oh, your nude photos is leaked. Oh. I saw it on this website. Yeah. And then he want me to click on the website. Mm. Okay, I knew it was a scam. But I was like, even if it's not a scam, I'm like, so what? I, my new photo is already out. I don't care. <laughs> this does not scare me. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's definitely a bot. In a way, I almost think if you click on it, that's how they get access to your photos. Exactly. Yeah, but crazy. even Very. if they want to access my photo, I'm like, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine. <laughs> oh, which is so cheap because OnlyFans will take like twenty percent, and then oh. I have to pay tax too. Do they take that much? I think it's twenty percent. Yeah, it's so interesting because I've talked to enough people now who started OnlyFans where they say they make money, but I'm always like, how much money do you make with all the fees and no. like taxes and all that stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I'm debating it, but I'm probably never gonna do it. Why? Because I think it's like too much work. Like, okay, for instance, like even doing photo shoots, right? I remember a bunch of photographers like offer to take photos of me and I've worked with them before. So I know that they're like fine. But I'm like the idea of like, oh, I have to get clothes and put on the makeup and go to your place and like take pictures. I'm like, it's not that fun to me. And so I feel like for me, it's like I don't enjoy it that much. It's like work, but it feels like work. That's when I realized I was like, I only want to do things that I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, but I also am like, well, I need to make money too. So, <laughs> cause like, even when you were talking about OnlyFans, like how you enjoy it, you know what I mean? Like you don't even care about the money. My mm. only motivation for those kind of things is money. And that's why I realized I can't do it because I really don't like doing those things. Mm. And so like, for instance, like when it comes to comedy, I can just do comedy. I don't even care if I get paid. I just love doing it. Yeah. But when it comes to things like modeling or like even going on dates and stuff and like chatting with men i have none of that i don't enjoy any of that anymore like i'm just like i'm over it yeah all i like is comedy yeah 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 comedy's ruined my life (laughs) because you know it's interesting too before comedy i probably was a more sexual person i think comedy has desexualized me yeah and i don't know if that's good or bad but it's almost like comedy like hits my brain like i feel like it's so fun and the high i get from the laughter is so high that like i don't even need sex and stuff like that anymore because i feel like i get enough of that drug that comes out i think that's what it is about comedy i don't know if it's good or bad but basically you wouldn't really hear anybody describe a female comedian sexy they would say they are funny or maybe they would say she's pretty but I think it rarely goes to sexy. I think it's because comedy desexualizes yes. you because you talk too much. Isn't this terrible to say? But I think it's true. Is yeah. that this is a terrible sexist theory, but this is what I think. Men love the visual of women. They love women to be mysterious. Yeah. They want you to be kind of like um, nurturing and stuff. But the minute they hear you're 
thoughts, your terrible thoughts and stuff and that you're really smart, you become like almost masculine to them. Yeah. And you're no longer sexy. I agree that men like women mysterious. Yes. And comedy is the opposite. You know too much about You know too much about the woman and you know the woman will talk shit about you on stage. Yes, because we have thoughts and stuff. And so it's just complete. And also when you're on stage, you become like you command the stage. It's all about you. And a lot of men don't like that. You... You're not a sexual being anymore. And uh, this is my theory. I don't know if somebody has done experience on this, but I feel like any successful female comedian who is in a stable relationship or, or, or who even gets married, the female comedian is always the one who is taking direction of the relationship. Yeah, I think it become masculine. Yeah. Well, I was even looking like I am obsessed with like Ali Wong is yeah. now dating Bill Hader. Yeah. And I think that's really cute. I almost think though it only works if like you're equal and so he's also a very successful yeah. comedian. So maybe that's when it works yeah. out. You have seen beef, right? Love it, yes. Oh. If you have not seen beef, listeners, do skip this one. <laughs> skip, skip, skip. Cause I just wanna say this one episode where I Ali Wong, she is acting as a cum dump. For the homeless guy. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh my god. That. Oh shit. <laughs> I relate to you, Ellie Wong. <laughs> you have done the sketchy things that I do. What I loved about what she did is that when she was um, talking to her husband at the time, and she's the provider, and he's just kind of like mooching off her basically. Yeah. And she told him she was like really frustrated. She's like, "I just want someone to care about me, not me always providing." And I think that's what the problem is. Maybe, you know what? I th- may have had a breakthrough of why I'm like have become so cold to people is because I have become almost like a provider. So yeah. I become masculine. Yeah. And I feel a little bit like I'm like, when are you going to fucking take care of me? Yeah. How come I'm the one having to provide all these opportunities and like money and like, you know, stage time and stuff? Because I'm like, I've become the man. And so to me, nothing is sexy anymore. I just want someone to be like, but I'm going to take care of you. you don't enjoy being a provider. I enjoy it, yeah. but it's also desexualized me yeah. because when when I was younger or like when guys would be like, I'm going to take care of you and they, you know, do all these things for me and stuff. And I needed them. Like I couldn't go to a nice restaurant without them. I couldn't go anywhere without them. Like I couldn't get invited anywhere without them. Now it's opposite where I'm like, I get invited to shit. I get all this stuff where it's like. I've changed. I don't need them. And now it's not sexy to me. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I maybe that's it. Because when I watched that beef show, I really was like identifying with her because I was like, oh, she's become the masculine boss and she hates it. But at the same time, she also wouldn't be happy if she wasn't either. But she worked so hard to kind of create this life where she feels lonely. I feel like this is like an evergreen uh, story of any successful person. They always feel lonely. Do you think it's also that women, or I, I know women yeah. feel lonely when they're at the top, but do men feel, you think that? I don't know. What are your Ooh. thoughts? Because it seems like men who get really successful in a way they love it because now they have access to all these things where they can travel and get pussy and then they can have their wife and their family, but then they have their mistress. You know, it's like men, it seems to unlock things for men. It seems to isolate women the more successful they get. But I think the reason why men, they are searching for mistress, escorts, they want to travel is because they want to get away from their loneliness because they feel lonely when they are at home with their wife. Yeah. So maybe just everyone feels lonely. I think maybe everyone feels lonely. So we're all just kind of terrible. But I feel like if 
I feel like the side effect of any ambition is lonely. Yeah, it's better to just kind of stay in the middle, I think. It, I think when you're like all kind of like equal and you're just working together, you always feel connected. Yeah. But once you reach the top, you are the top by yourself. Yeah. It's like a pyramid. Yeah. And then who's with you? No one. If you are a nurse and an urgent care, I'm pretty sure you will never feel lonely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. true. But once you own the hospital, you're yeah, by yourself. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> this... Because I guess we are both ambitious people and then in entertainment industry, you meet a lot of ambitious people. But I feel like if you are in other industry, you might not meet a lot of in the, in, ambitious people. And I think there's just something about being ambitious that gets you to a place that nobody else want to go to. I don't even know if they don't want to be there, but they can't be there. Yeah. Like, it's almost like the cream rises. Yeah. And once you rise, you're like, oh, there's no one with me anymore. Yeah. And there's something sad about that. And then it's crazy because once you rise, and let's say someone who's not at your level tries to come at you, you don't know... Do they only want you because yeah. they want something? Like yeah. going back to even the provider thing about the job. Yeah. It's like, do they even like you or they just want a job? Exactly. And usually they just want a job. That is so tricky. And it's also sad because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I see you as a friend, but now I'm successful. I feel like you don't see me as a friend anymore. You see me as a contact. Yes. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's strange. I don't know how to feel about that because it's interesting because it's a mix where at a one point I remember I was like equal to... Uh, people and then they became really successful and then they just dropped me almost like well you're not as successful as me blah yeah. blah and now it's kind of like not necessarily the tables are turned because they're still successful but now that I too am successful yeah. I don't want them in my circle anymore I yeah. was like you didn't think I was good enough then yeah yeah you know so it's it's a strange feeling I don't know how to describe it I, I often want I really want to hear mainstream successful comedians talk about this but they don't usually <laughs> <laughs> about what the success and about being lonely like, and about like yeah and not, not just that just, just like the how i want to know how do they feel about transactional relationship because as a super successful celebrity you must have all these kind of transactions every day and you want to know how do they feel about it you know well if you think about like the a-listers right yeah. they pretty much only seem to be surrounded by other a-listers yeah. right and so it's almost like did they get rid of the crappy people or did the crappy people not, i'm not don't mean that they're crappy but just didn't make it to their yeah. level or do they keep them around where they're the alpha there's a bunch of betas around them too yeah but even then like let's pretend they're not willing to talk about it we can still see what the dynamic is yeah. we can see when you're with people at your high level or when you're just surrounded by like yeah you know this is going off the tangent because this is how my brain works but just like a few days ago i went to perform at a comedy show and i was talking about being a porn director and then after the show uh there was this audience member he dm'd me and then he said he is writing a porno script and then he wanna pick my brain i don't know you and i'm not gonna spend time to get coffee with you because you wanna pick my brain i find the whole pick my brain thing to be really annoying yeah because to me i'm like i get nothing out of this and you're basically taking what took me 20 years to like develop yeah. and you think a coffee is going to do it and like yeah. not only that it's like what do i get out of this exactly and so really if you want to pick people's brain go to them when they're like at a public event or go to them yes, when they're at yeah. a, like it a depends Q on the context yeah at a q a that's when you're supposed to go pick yeah their brain. but to ask them to like go out of their way so that you could get something from them it's like what do you have to offer yeah 
like I'll like for instance if my alumni school or something was like will you be a mentor and I've decided fine I will I volunteer fine yeah but if you just ask some stranger to just give them your time it's like why do they owe you your time and also it's like what if the person is crazy yeah like what if you give them your time and then they just bite you you know and you don't want to like it's it's a little scary because it's like you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be closed off. But at yes. the same time, you have to be cautious. Exactly. I want to just elaborate. I, I don't want to be selfish. I want to share my experience. I'm happy to, you know, help people. But just like you say, it depends on the context. Well, for instance, okay, you do comedy where yeah. they literally can come up to you in public and get five minutes of your time. They could pick your brain for five minutes after a show. Yeah. But for them to think that you're going to go out of your way to do a coffee or read their script or give them a job, <laughs> you're like, you are being really entitled. Yeah. And I find that kind of crazy because it's like, how, why? It's like you already have access to them for five minutes. You could have asked all these questions in five minutes. Yeah. And you should almost just be happy that someone t- talked to you for five minutes, a stranger giving you their thing. Yeah. They just want more and more. Exactly. Or another thing that I think I am happy to do is if the listener have any question, they can... DM me the question or DM us the question and then we will answer on podcast, you know, yes. kind of like that. And that's fine too because you solicited yeah. that. But for them to want even extra, it's like you're asking too much of me. Like sometimes I think about this, like when I had a Patreon and people paid and it was only $5 a month back then, I would answer people on Patreon because I was like, at least you guys bother to support me yeah. with this Patreon. Yeah. But when they would DM me, not like non-Patreon people would DM me, I was like, why do I owe you a response? Yeah. You can literally pay $5, which is very little, and yeah. I will answer all your questions. Yes. But you won't even pay $5. You won't even come to my show. You're just asking for so much from me. Exactly. It's yeah. just like I answer all my DMs on OnlyFans, you know? Yeah, because yeah. they have given you something at least to bother with. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We all have precious times. We cannot give attention to everybody. Time is too short. And sometimes people ask for like way too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> I know. I was going to even give you an example, but it's too specific but, that if the person heard me, they would know uh, talking about them. But I'm I so think almost, I know the example. Yeah, I was yeah, I told you anything earlier, but it's kind of like an example of like this is supposed to be my moment and you had the audacity to write me and ask me to make it about you. And yeah. I'm like, "Come on, people. You're asking for too much." Yeah. But sometimes it's like shoot your shot, I yeah. guess, but at yeah. a certain point you're like I find it annoying. Yeah. Uh, you went to film school as did I and yes. then you know in film school I think we are being taught and programmed that we have to be proactive with our entertainment career because it's a really tough industry we are being taught that we need to make connection we need to reach out to people we need to do all the internship we need to cold emailing we need to send resume and I feel like maybe that but we didn't really teach them how to do it tactfully you know what's interesting? I almost think it's this, is that maybe also even tactfully, you don't know. Because, you, oh, for instance, it's always about like, the exchange of value. Yeah. So, for instance, this one guy, I took a class with him, and he is so talented. He actually reached out to me, and he's like, I went to a networking event, and they said to like reach out, so I just want to say, you know, keep me in your thoughts or whatever. And to me, I was like, I'm glad this guy reached out because he was so talented that I think one day we could exchange value. Yeah. And the thing is, is that other people don't know whether or not they have value. Yeah. So maybe they're just shooting their shot and messaging people, not 
maybe in their head they're like i am helpful and it's like no <laughs> you know yeah and so really maybe they just don't know because to me this guy i don't know if he knows how valuable i view him because yeah. i'm like one day i feel like he's going to do something really great because yeah. he's so talented so i remember once this one guy came up to me and was like i want to start writing i want to be a professional writer too and i was like well have you written anything he's like no <laughs> can you help me? And I was like, why the fuck would I help you? And I found it so insulting. He's like, well, you're a writer. And I was just kind of like, he said that. Yeah. He was a little snippy with me. Cause I tried to tell him, I was like, well, I told him, I was like, I can't tell if you wanted to be an actor or a stand-up or a writer. I was like, you should pick one. He's like, you do all three. And I was like, I have been doing this for like 15 years. And I went to school for this. Probably that's at 17. I was kind of a little bit like, how dare you talk yeah, to me like this? But he was a little snippy, like, you do it all. I was like, well, good luck to you. Yeah. But I was so insulted by it. But I was like, this is the kind of people who just keep asking you yeah. for stuff. And it, it's too much. It's just like, uh, sometimes, because I've been attended, I have attended some porn industry events. And then in this kind of event, always some guys, they would ask, oh, how do I get into the porn industry as a male performer? And then uh, I think if you ask all the porn stars who have gotten these kind of questions this question is first a really tricky to answer and second uh it makes people suspicious of you yeah it's true you know i i agree because to me i'm like why do you want to join this yeah. industry it's just like i mean i'm in it too so yeah. long so i'm just like whatever but i didn't want to be here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have sex with the stars you know yeah they just get weird but i'm but of course i've met a lot of professional and talented male performers and i love them but it, it, it's through you know getting to know them you know they are really good people but if it's a q a convention center is a complete male stranger and then he said he will not get into the adult industry you will feel a little suspicious. So it's always suspicious you know? because every time you talk to an actual professional male performer, he got in there almost accidentally uh -huh. or he just knew people and they thought he was cool. Yeah. He wasn't like creepily trying to enter. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a catch 22 where it's like, oh, you want to enter so we don't want to let you in. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird, but that's the same way I almost view Hollywood where like when you want it so badly where you're creep on people and ask them for stuff when you don't know them, it's like, it's weird. Yeah. And like, you know, it's kind of a hard thing because I just remember when I first moved to LA and I wanted things so badly, but then you can't be all creepy and just go up to people and ask them for stuff. It's like anyone could just creepily Me ask. too, me too. Yeah. I've made some mistakes as well. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I feel sympathy for them. Like I understand what they're doing, but at the same time, I'm a little bit like, sorry, I can't provide for all of you. Yeah, here is a silly, very not important scenario, but... You went to school for screenwriting, so did I. Do you think a professor has the obligation to read their students' scripts? While you're a student, yes. Yeah. But after you're a student, no. But what if you are still in a student, but it's like different semester, you are not taking their class anymore? They don't have to read it Right, anymore. I agree. But if they're being nice, they can. But for the most... So this is an interesting thing. Okay, so for instance, let's say semester one, you're in the class. He has to read it because that's the point of the class. Yeah. Semester two, they don't have to. But as the professor... If you actually have some talent, they want to develop a relationship with you because maybe that person yeah. one day will become famous. Yeah. So that professor is taking a gamble, yeah. but they're not obligated to. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're a crappy student, <laughs> you need to just keep paying for those classes. Yeah. As a 
comedy teacher. As I don't want to do anything after that. So, okay, so I, this is a bad thing. I shouldn't reveal this, but I've had students who, once they're not my student anymore, they keep wanting stuff from me, which I first was nice and I was like, I'll help you. Then when I was like, hey, I'm offering my own private classes. Do you want to take them? They're like, oh, I don't have any money. Then I find out they took classes from someone else. And I was like, if that's the case, go ask another teacher for yeah, help. Yeah. But you keep coming for me for free shit. Pretend you don't have money, but then you pay someone else. Yeah. I see that yeah. and it really annoys me. Yeah. And so after that, I was like, I'm not helping anyone for free. It's yeah. like, you can pay me because I see you pay other people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it kind of changed for me. And then I don't feel this need to like, um, nurture them because I'm like, why do I need to nurture? Yeah, them? yeah, yeah. And you I, pay someone else to nurture you. Yeah, and I've I think a, a nature of a comedy class is very different than a standard four year college program, you know? And yeah. a college program, it's like they're like 19, 20 or something. Yeah. I'm like, it's harder for me to have sympathy for like some 35 year old yeah, who wants to be famous. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, like that's a hard thing to say, but yeah, like I really, um, after I got burned by the people who like, keep taking from me and then give other people money, I really got offended yeah, by it. Yeah, I yeah, I agree, yeah. Did you like your screenwriting degree? I, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have done it. And I remember it was interesting because I was talking to this girl and she wanted to possibly um, change careers and she wanted to get an MFA. And I told her, I was like, you know, the cost. Don't. Yeah, I told her, I was like, I, I don't. would say don't do it. But I also don't want to stop you in case you really want to. But I told her for the amount of school, you could actually just make your own movie. Exactly. You could go on set and work. Exactly. So, um, I think I gave her some advice where I was like, don't get trapped into what I felt like when I was uh, 22, where I was like, I need this degree for validation. This degree will just cost you a ton of money and waste two of years and of nobody your life. Cares about nobody your cares. Nobody cares about your degree. Yeah. And so I think I gave her some good advice. I don't know what she'll actually end up doing, but really I was telling her, I was like, don't waste the money because I think about this too. Um, when I got my MFA, they made you take a bunch of fluff classes that were complete junk. I agree yeah and when you really calculated how much those costs you're like that class was five thousand dollars i learned nothing what a waste of money and sometimes you you feel like this class needs 12 weeks to 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 finish yeah it was a waste yeah it, it can just be taught in a month four weeks and sometimes i was really mad too is sometimes i have a terrible teacher and like i was like even when you complain nothing got done and i was like why do i pay money to be treated like this uh, who cares about these stupid people yeah i don't know if you're not talking about this but because we both went, went to film school and i think our listeners some of them or they also went to film school or maybe they have been to film school before so like just the value of film school. Okay, I think one of the good things about film school is you get to know some people like in your circle, like classmates and stuff, you do make some friends. But on a grand scheme of things, I don't think a film school degree will help your career. No, never. Yeah. I kind of think it's like, um, I think that it's important to learn the production if you want to learn production, yeah. but you could literally take like a one- month course at yeah. like New York film school or something like that yeah. not an actual MFA or yeah. not an actual BFA yeah. you know and so I kind of just think like these big programs are such a waste they are just a product of capitalism they want to make some money from people who want to be in films yeah versus like if you just be a PA because 
it's really not that hard to get a job as a PA. People yeah. think it is, but it's not. Yeah. If you do like, let's say you work for free on a student film and then eventually yeah. they'll recommend you. Yeah. You'll get eventual work yeah. in less than a year and yeah. you'll get paid the whole time. Yeah. Or at least um, sh- quickly. I agree. And another thing about films is a lot of things, because film is, a P- is an art form. Yes. It's hard to teach. And also the thing, this is what I found really interesting too. Film is both collaborative and yes. you also have to work so many hours. So if let's say you're a good student where like you'll go to class for two hours, you'll study a book. Can you spend 60 hours a week being told what to do, yes. talking to other people? Yes. That's a whole different skill. Yes. That you have to learn that on set. On top of that, Cause because it's collaboration, you need to have a lot of meetings and negotiation with other departments. Are you a good negotiator? Do you know how to control a meeting? Do you know how to be a communicator? We don't talk about that in film school. Sometimes I will attend a, a meeting, you know, when I was a student, I would attend a production meeting and the meeting went on for like hours. Yeah, it's like, what's going on? People be efficient with your communication. My friend is now a high-level executive at a studio. And I remember years ago, um, I was having lunch with him or something. And this guy walked by. I was like, hey, and said hi to him. And the guy was like, nice. But then as the guy left, my friend was like, when I was in film school, we were on set and he left early. I'll never forget that. (laughs) (laughs) And that was like 10 years had passed. But he was like, that dude, I would never hire him because he couldn't even stay on set the whole time. And I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. And, um, and I was like, think about that. It's like your work ethic versus like, let's say even these comedy shows. My comedy shows, like, let's say 90 minutes, but then you come a little early or you stay a little after. So let's say a two hour commitment. Yeah. I am shocked when people don't stay the whole two hours yeah. or can't show up and on who time. who are you, you know? Yeah. Are you Bill Burr? Yeah, or they won't promote. Are you Ellie Wong? Like yeah. yeah. And that's when I'm like, if I ever got an opportunity to hire someone, I would never hire these people who can't commit or like, you know, I've already seen their work ethic. It's like in this low stakes scenario, you're this awful. How would you be if I actually were to pay you? You'd be so awful. Unless you have like a legit reason, then sure. Yeah, and the reasons are different because for instance, if they tell you beforehand, that's a legit reason and they scheduled it, right? These last minute people or these people who don't promote or they just leave halfway through for a stupid reason you know that's what their their work ethic is yeah. you can't work with them yes yes and also it's fascinating is like i've done so many shows and produced so many shows at this point i've worked with some really high level people and yeah. they all act normal like you don't actually know their resume they they act the same as like me yeah, yeah. and that's when i was like that's what a really successful person yeah. does these unsuccessful lazy people are just we call them open micers, right? It's yeah. like they should just stay in that level because you can never rely on them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm not going to say his name, but yesterday, our headliner, mm-hmm. he's definitely in her show. Yeah, and he came on time. Yeah. He promoted. Yeah, he was he's wonderful. funny. And so funny yeah. and wonderful. Yeah. And so it just goes to show you, it's like every... My friend one time told me this. He's like, about my personality. He's like, to you, everything's an audition. Every interaction you have with someone is some kind of like audition. Cause yeah. you're like, I can't recommend you. I can't hire you for this. Yeah. So going back to like these strangers who ask you for favors, you don't know them. Mm-mm. And it's like, you, someone can Yeah, even if you're looking for a job, you need to submit your resume. Yeah, but it's like, 
you recommend people because you've worked with them. Yeah. I won't even recommend some friends for yeah. jobs yes. because I don't know how they actually yes. work. Yes. Yes. But like you recommend people by working with them. Yes. So when I think of these comedy shows, these comedy shows are low stakes job interviews yes. for the real job that's going to come later. Agree, agree. Yeah, that's how I view it. I concur. <laughs> and it's so crazy. Yeah. It's like... um. Because I, I think, you know, for instance, like with you, you have so many porn opportunity yeah. production jobs. And I think eventually I will probably also get some sort of opportunities to give away that pay people. Yeah. But I can't recommend these lazy ass people. <laughs> yeah. We've just been watching people for years. Basically. Yeah. Just be a good person, work hard, be nice, be friendly. Then you'll pass the audition. <laughs> That's it. And it's actually really simple, but a lot of people can't do it yeah. which is weird it's very weird to did me. i pass your audition you always have you and <laughs> no. i work together so much at this point yeah. right because we're very reliable yeah. people yes and so i think that's it it's like and also sometimes too it's like sometimes one of us will be at a higher level and the other person yeah. will be the boss and the other person's the, and it's like that's fine because you constantly are changing it but yeah. it's just more like who can you work with i really have to compliment you you are a really reliable uh collaborator thank you same to you yeah because every time i have project and i give it to you i know you will get it done before <laughs> the deadline i just know you will yeah thank you thank you you are so good with project management and you deliver i i don't know how you do it really oh thank you so much <laughs> but also i like working with you because you know you when you say you'll do something, you do it. Yes. And then you can negotiate and you can tell people like, you know, what things are going on and stuff, very organized. Yeah. And so it's easy to work with where it's like, there's a reliability there and there's like a trust there that's been built. Even with like, let's say, like let's say pretend even a comedy show booking you. Yeah. There's certain people that I book constantly because I'm like, they'll promote, they'll show up, they'll do a good job and they get along with everyone. And that's all I'm really looking they for. They will not give you surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but some people I'm just so shocked where like, basically everything is like, if I don't know you, you get one shot. And then sometimes they're great the first shot and I'll do a second one. And there's like night and day. I was like, Can can you not be good yeah. more than once? Yeah. It's just like job interview. You get one job interview. Yes. If you are good, maybe a second job interview will come. But if you are not good, then you, there will be no job interview again. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And so it's just really fascinates me, this whole thing. And another time too is like, there's definitely some people that are definitely like takers. Like they'll do my show and then I'll even ask them and they won't respond. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's weird. But then they'll come back and ask me for a second favor. I was like, no, no, no. You got the one thing and then you ghosted me. Don't come back with a two, you know, like yeah. two to zero. Yeah. Like, come on, it's weird. Before we go, do you think those people think we are too transactional or they are actually also transactional, but they try to blame it on us they what i think is they um are takers and they think that they're entitled to my stuff but i don't have they don't have to give me anything mm. i think that no one is stupid yeah i really believe this is like if you no one is stupid yeah i just that's that's my new theory i always think they know and yeah. so every time i try to give people the benefit, no i always feel like they know yeah I always feel like yeah. i'll always find that out yeah i had a funny story about that where um you know, recently someone tricked me into working for yeah. free. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the thought process is maybe this person didn't know. Yeah. But then when I talk to someone else, they're like, oh, she yeah. did it to someone else too. So they always know. Yeah. Always yeah. know. Yeah. Be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs> Find the people that you trust. It yeah. takes time. That's yeah. it. It takes time. 
All right. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast because this podcast is so raunchy and dark and cynical. <laughs> <laughs> we need and some people. funny, please, yeah. please. And then follow me on social media at Oliver Wong Comedy. And I'm on Instagram at Teresa Low Writer. My OnlyFans is also Oliver Wong Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.